Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. I am excited about being with you all this morning um, and sharing this word. Uh, this is actually a word that, that uh, I didn't realize that it would be a word that I'd be preaching here on a Sunday morning, but it has been rolling around in me for uh, this, just this subject, this topic, uh, for a few months now. I've been talking to my wife about it and just been chewing on it. So when Pastor Todd asked me to preach this morning, um, when I was sitting Monday morning in my, in my daily time reading the word, uh, this is during my daily time, and the Lord really just dropped it in me uh, to, to go here. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, Paul says this to, to young pastor Timothy. He says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Verse 8. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach the good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we know your word is true. Lord, your word is awesome. You are awesome. Lord, we thank you for this, uh, th- this love letter, Lord God, this 66-book love letter you've written to us to encourage us, to speak to us, to strengthen us, to equip us, Lord, to let us know your will, Lord, today. This morning, Lord, I pray that your kingdom come and that your will would be done in this service, Lord. I pray that you would speak to your children today. I pray you would speak everyone to everyone, Lord God, today. Father, help me as I continue to to bring forth this word, Lord God, to preach and teach as you have called me to do, Lord, according to your perfect will, Lord, in Jesus' name. Open up our hearts to understand. Open up our minds, Lord God, to grasp what it is that you're saying and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Amen. Amen. Today I want to speak on a subject that I know is not a popular one. It's a subject that um, is the subject of suffering. And I know living in America, and and even, and I want to say especially, uh, well, in America, and even in the American church, suffering is not a popular subject to talk about. Suffering is something that often uh, because we live in America, or because we are Christians, we feel like we shouldn't have to suffer, or when we do suffer, we want it to be over as quickly as possible. Oftentimes when we do suffer, we question God and ask God why he's allowing this to happen. This morning, I, I want to get a different perspective on, on, on suffering. I also want to show you some of the great things that can come out of, of suffering if we have a kingdom perspective about it. Now, sitting in this building today uh, with this many people, I know if most of us, if not all of us, has endured some form of suffering. We have gone through, and, and I know some of y'all sitting in this room today are, are suffering right now in and, 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 and maybe different ways. 
So I want to look at a kingdom perspective of what suffering is. I want to focus on the beginning of that, that, that text in the end where Paul talks about suffering. I'm not going to go through the whole text, uh, but I will, I will break down uh, verses, verses 4 through 6 about the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer this coming Wednesday night. So I encourage you to come out to that this coming Wednesday in the main sanctuary. We're going to look at the rest of the middle part of that text. Um, I thought I was going to go down there, but as I begin to study and pray, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to hone in on the significance of suffering. I named it the significance of suffering because I want you to show you how important it is to have the right view, to have the, uh, of suffering as a soldier. Pastor Todd just said, he just said, if you're a soldier in the army of God, right? Amen? So the first scripture we read, Paul says, endure suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So, so I want to look at that today. The right biblical perspective of suffering, the great things that can come out of it. So let's look at the, the biblical view of suffering. Philippians 1.29, Paul says this, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. Let's be real in here. When's the last time you looked at suffering as a privilege? It's true. None of us are like, I'm so privileged that I get to suffer today. I, it's a privilege that I've been suffering for years now. Y'all laughing because y'all know it's true, right? We don't, have that, we don't have that mindset most of the time. I'm saying we, myself included, don't have the mindset that, that Paul said it's a privilege to suffer for him, for Christ. And we're going to look at that. That sometimes we are suffering for Christ and sometimes we might just be suffering, uh, you know, sometimes we don't understand why or what, what the purpose is. But Paul makes it clear that it was a privilege, he said it was a privilege of suffering for him. Then we see in Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, this was right after the apostles were beaten for proclaiming Jesus. The, the, the early apostles going around preaching the gospel about Jesus. The high council took him in and flogged them, had them beaten. And right after that, this is what it says. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. That's heavy right there. They left rejoicing, saying, I'm so thankful God has counted me worthy to suffer for him. It is an honor to suffer, is what they were saying. I'm honored to be able to suffer for the name of Christ because I am a soldier, a good soldier in God's kingdom. This is the biblical view of suffering. This is what the early church saw as suffering. They were happy. They were honored to do so. So let's go even further. 2 Timothy 3.2. Again, Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How many people? You know what the Greek of everyone is? Everyone. But I think there's a key there. He says everyone that wants to live a godly life will suffer persecution. Not everybody that's called a Christian or goes to church necessarily is going to suffer persecution. But if you desire to live a godly and a holy life and proclaim the name of Jesus and, and not ashamed to say, I am a good soldier, we will suffer persecution in one form or another. And we'll look at the different kinds of persecution in a little bit. You know, well, actually, we'll, we'll talk about it right now. You know, we might not suffer persecution in the way that the early church did with dying and getting thrown to the lions, or even today in foreign countries we see in Iraq and in China and Middle East and different parts how, how 
the church is still being persecuted in that way. Where they're being arrested and, and they're being thrown in prison. I see there was a, a pastor, he was, he was from Iran originally, but then he was actually pastored in Boise, Idaho, where Pastor Nick's gone. And he went back to, to Iran or Iraq, I don't remember what it was, and was, was evangelizing. I and mean, he's been arrested and been in jail now for a couple of years. And, and his, his wife and his children have gone to the State Department and asked to try to get him released. And he's, he's still, they're still being thrown in prison. Now, we don't have to face that kind of persecution and the United States of America. But we do still face persecution. Is that right? Or is that wrong? It could be through, you know, our coworkers. It could be through friends. It could be through an unsaved spouse. Hello. I know that can be the hardest ones. When you're, you get saved, your spouse doesn't. And, and they're giving you a hard time or persecuting you. But we got to remember, or we could be persecuted. You know, we got to, because we got to remember all persecution comes from the enemy. All persecution comes from the evil one, whether it be through words, through people, or, or you might be suffering in some different kind of way. And, and, and this, all suffering is not necessarily from persecution. So I just, I, I want to make that clear. I'm just kind of hitting on that right now. But knowing that persecution comes from the, from the enemy. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was reading a book uh, about evolution, um, and it was called The Collapse of Evolution from a Man of God. It was actually from our Bible college that we just had here uh, this past weekend. And as I'm reading this book, I'm getting all kind of great scientific evidence, you know, uh, uh, for creation and against evolution. It was just so good. And, and I'm reading it. I'm just taking it all in. I'm thinking like, man, yeah, I'm going to be equipped whenever, uh, whenever next time I run across somebody that believes in evolution or there's even Facebook pages that are all about science and try to bash, you know, Christians for believing what we believe and all kind of stuff. And I was just thinking how good this information would be because if I get in debate, man, I'm going to be equipped. And then I stopped and thought, you know what? Debating with somebody about evolution and creation, they believe what they believe and they like arguing. How many of y'all know that? And I remembered that the whole root of the debate of evolution and creation is the spirit of the Antichrist. That's the root. It's the enemy persecuting the church. Trying to make people believe and have made a lot of people believe that there's no way God could have created it or all the Bible stories. So we, I just want to say that's where persecution comes from. So even though we might not be getting dragged out of our homes or this morning at church, getting thrown in jail, we're still being persecuted. And it might not be persecution. You might be suffering in your body today through sickness or some form of disease. We just pray for Pastor Brad and, and Griff and Stephen and all of them. I believe the enemy does use that too. He comes against us. We know the Bible talks about a spirit of infirmity. But sometimes things just happen. And sometimes we do suffer. It, 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 like I said, it could be a sickness. It could be a tragedy. A loss of a loved one in your life. Like uh, a lot of y'all have heard, maybe not everybody know, in, in my life, when, as, I'm, as I'm preparing this and thinking about this, and in my own life, where I lost my dad at 19 years old, he committed suicide when I was 19. And a little over four years ago, I lost my brother. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, a little more in detail, and just examples as, as the, the Lord worked in me through a time of suffering. How many of y'all have lost a loved one and know how tough that is? A lot of y'all in here have lost children. I have no idea what that's like. Even though I've lost my dad and my brother, I have four children of my own, and, and I can't begin to fathom what that is like. Some of y'all in here I know have lost children and, and know y'all have gone through, and maybe you're still going through great times of suffering. It could be tough financial times you've been going through for years now. You know, as I was, I, as I was reading, you know, in this word, suffering, sometimes when Paul's telling Timothy about suffering, it's not even physical suffering, but mental suffering. You know, you, you're, you're, you, can, you can do okay sometimes with, with physical sickness in your body if your mind's intact and you, you're strong where you're at mentally and s- stable emotionally. But what about mental suffering? 
mental suffering. Sometimes that, that's, that can be the worst kind of suffering that there is. And, and Paul was talking to Timothy about that as well. It can bring on emotional burdens. Or maybe suffering through a busted up marriage, like I talked about earlier. Maybe where you got saved and, 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 and your, your husband or your wife is not saved. And it's been a really tough time. You've been walking through the fiery trial. Or maybe you are. Both, both spouses are saved and just, you, you're having a tough time in your marriage. You've been suffering through this relationship. This is what, what Peter says, 1 Peter 4.1. He says this. He says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. I, listen, I know this is, this, is not a, this is a hard message to bring forth. It, this is not a feel-good, encouraging message. But I pray, as Pastor Todd said, that you will be encouraged at the end of this. After reading all those scriptures, we see the biblical view and perspective of suffering so the question is not, will we suffer? But when we do, what will be our perspective? How will we look at it? How will we process it? How will we go through it? Right now, I know there's people in this room suffering as I speak. How are you processing and going through that? How are you getting through it? If we keep a biblical perspective of suffering, these are some of the great things that could come out of it. Number one, number one, let's look at some of the things that can come out of, of suffering, when we do suffer. Number one is that suffering reveals the genuineness of our faith. Suffering reveals the genuineness of our faith. The reason Paul told Timothy to endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, right there, as we just read in 2 Timothy 2 3, is because the Roman Emperor Nero was persecuting the church in a horrible way at this time, as the church was just launching. Timothy was a young pastor, and he was pastoring. And so as, as Christians were getting killed left and right, being tortured and being killed, he was encouraging Timothy to, to, to endure this kind of suffering. Because this persecution revealed that many in the early church wasn't as committed as they had pretended to be when persecution came down. Many forsook the Lord, they deserted the faith. Timothy was not only losing congregation members, church members, he was also losing leadership. People at that time were going back to their, their old lifestyle and to the pagan temples because in fear of their life. Because they were being killed. And this suffering that the early church went under, it, it, it revealed the genuineness of their faith. So Paul is talking to me and says, look, brother, endure suffering. Undergo suffering. Know that you have to go through this suffering. And we're going to look at why later, one of the reasons why in a minute. He says you have to go through this kind of suffering. Because he was seeing that people's faith around him. And he was, he maybe, I don't know, just a thought. Maybe he thought that Timothy's faith might be rattled as well. Have you ever known someone that was walking with the Lord, was serving the Lord, was in church, loved the Lord, sought after God, man, was, was an awesome worshiper, you know, just really sought God, and things were going great in their life. But then some tragedy struck, and they begin to question God of why they had to go through what they went through. And they begin to get angry with God, and they ended up walking away from the faith. Have you ever known someone or seen that take place in your life? You know, I was just ministering to someone on Wednesday night. Praying, praying with a girl, me and my wife, and, and she was going through a hard time. And she was, that's exactly what she said. She said, just, I've been going through some really hard stuff, and I don't know why God's allowing this in my life. And a lot of times, suffering reveals the genuineness, if our faith is real or not. It's easy to serve God when things are going good. Listen, this is why I'm saying we need to have a biblical perspective, because some of y'all uh, might, might have come to Christ, you know, 
under a false presumption that whenever you get saved, everything's going to be good. Some of y'all know that's not true, just from y'all response. Some people say, hey, come to Christ and things are going to be great. Things are going to be awesome. Yes, they are. The last 10, 11 years of my life have been by far the best years of my life, but it has not been easy. It has not been easy. And, and what happens is this suffering refines us and reveals and tro- shows us where our faith really is. It shows us where we really are. We've all heard that, or I say you know, we all, some of us have heard a story about, I've heard it told a lot about um, somewhere in a foreign country where they were being persecuted, they had a small church. Uh, this happened in recent years where they had a, a church. And during the service, men busted in the, the room with, with uh, automatic weapons and masks on and, and started pointing their guns and telling uh, tell them, look, Everybody here that, that, that's a true follower of Jesus, you stay, stay put. But if, if not, if you want to spare your life, if you want to spare your life today, you can leave right now and your life will be spared. And more than half of the people in the church got up and left. When everybody left the room, the guy with the gun took off their mask and said, okay, now we can have church. They wanted to find out whose faith was genuine. Who's ready to suffer and even die for believing in Christ. So there's some people we know that have gone away. But I want to encourage you. There's some of y'all sitting in this room today that have suffered, that, are, that have been walking through some things, that you have suffered for years. And the, the, the fact of the matter that you're still walking with the Lord today, let me encourage you, that shows that your faith is genuine. That shows that you have genuine faith. I look across this, this, uh, this auditorium and see faces of people that I know have gone through tragedy, sickness, hard time, and still you're in, enduring. So I want to say God bless you. Your faith is genuine, and this helps us. So we can apply this by saying, hey, we, we, can, we can look at our faith, uh, take evaluation of our faith if we're suffering right now, or, to see where am I at. What, is, what has been your thought process or your pattern going through this? Have I been questioning God and being angry with God more than I've been rejoicing in God? More than I've been rejoicing in my faith? It helps us to process and to see if our faith is genuine. Number two, number two. Suffering can bring glory to God and help spread the gospel. Suffering can bring glory to God and help spread the gospel. Let's read again in 2 Timothy, the last part of that text, 2 Timothy 9 and 10. Paul says this, And because I preach the good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And Paul was the man. Let me just say that. Paul said, I am suffering right now for the fact that I am preaching the gospel. He says, but I am willing to endure anything if people will get saved. I mean, another part of scripture, he, Paul even goes as far as saying, I will forfeit my salvation so that the Jewish people can be saved. He said, I'm willing to endure whatever. And we know he did. You read through the, 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 the New Testament, Paul did, and he endured just about everything. Everything, I mean, I didn't want to endure not one of the things he went through, but he endured a lot. Sickness and beatings and persecution and torment, being stoned, all of these things. And, and history tells us he ultimately ended up getting beheaded for the gospel. And so we see that. Are, are, are we willing to endure? Are you willing to endure suffering if it will help bring people to Christ? Well, how does that happen? And I've said this often, but people are watching us. Y'all know that, right? We're under a microscope. If you're a born-again believer, you're under a microscope. 
And people are watching you. And oftentimes they're watching you because they want to watch and see if you're going to fall. If you're going to stumble, something that they're going to have on you to come. Like, oh, 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 you said you was a Christian. Look at you. Come on, man. Christians don't talk like that. Come on, man. Christians don't have that attitude. And then you get an attitude and get aggravated, man, because they called you out. I believe me, I've, I've had it happen to me. I'm, I'm saying that from experience. But it, the good news is that people are watching us. And if we go through, through suffering and trials and hard times, and they don't hear us complaining and soaking in a pity party, but still giving glory to God and saying, God will help me through this. God is helping me through this. Praise God. That can bring people to him. And I mean, that's just one example, but there's many ways through the suffering we go through that it can bring people to the Lord and further the kingdom. I mean, and I don't know, there's so many ways. You know, in his book, Crazy Love, Francis Chan says this. He was talking about people being obsessed with Jesus. He says this. He said, people who are obsessed with Jesus aren't consumed with their personal safety and comfort above all else. Obsessed people care more about God's kingdom coming to this earth than our lives being shielded from pain or distress. That's good stuff right there. Are we more concerned about shielding ourselves from pain and distress or God's kingdom coming to the earth? When we say, and I prayed it a few times today, I prayed every day, prayed it quite a few times, especially getting up preaching on a Sunday morning. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. But do we have stipulations on that prayer? Oh, not if it's going to cost me pain and hurt and suffering and put me out, God. I want your kingdom to come, but I don't want it to hurt. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We should add 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2.10 on that, at the end of that. God, your kingdom come, your will be done, and I am willing to endure anything for your kingdom to come. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying. You know, in this, y'all, I believe through suffering, we get a greater anointing on our life. When you go through suffering, there's a greater anointing. I don't know if you've ever heard the illustration. You know, they have to crush olives to get the oil out of it. The olives got to be crushed down so the oil. We see that, that, that many times through the Bible, anointing is, is, is you know, uh, related with oil. The anointing oil, the anointing flowing down. We just read in 2 Timothy 2, 3, where Paul said again, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul knew that if suffering was required for Timothy to do this, to do his part in pushing the kingdom of God forward, that he needed to be willing to undergo suffering. There's a difference. We just talked about being a soldier. But it's funny, Paul says, suffer, endure suffering as a good soldier. So listen, every good soldier, let me say, in Christ's army who is committed to living a godly life and furthering the kingdom of God must have this mentality. We must have this mentality. I knew I wasn't getting a lot of amens this morning, so I just prepared myself. I said, it's okay. It's all right. Just take it in. I'd rather rather your, your perspective be changed than you amen me this morning. You know, I'm always reminded of Pastor Joe Stocksdale, uh, the youth pastor at Bethany in, in Baton Rouge. He's 34 years old. He's one year younger than me. He's 34 years old. He's been having kidney problems. Uh, when he first discovered it when he was 12 years old. And when he was 16 years old, he started undergoing dialysis. He's been, going, he's been having dialysis done three times a week for 18 years. And he has had at least 
70 to 80 surgeries. If that wasn't enough, on top of that, about five, six years ago, I don't remember the exact dates, he gets married, young man, to a young, beautiful bride. And just a few years later, three or four years later, he has all these health issues. He marries this young girl. She's in good health. And about three or four years later, his wife dies of cancer. When I think about suffering, I, I don't feel like I, I can do this justice as much as he can and he has. I was listening to him preach a message on suffering. But you know what about the, the, the thing about this man of God? He is an anointed man of God. He hasn't given up. He has continued on. God has used him to raise up uh, the, the biggest youth ministry in America. They, they, they are all through almost every public school in the Baton Rouge area. Bethany, his youth ministry is in there doing clubs, services, reaching souls for the kingdom. God is using him to do phenomenal things. He has a strong prophetic gift. He speaks at conferences. He speaks all over the nation. And I'm saying that to say he's an inspiration. If that dude can go through as much as he's gone through and still stand firm. Matter of fact, somebody, they always ask him, how? Because he's prayed for people and people have gotten healed. And they said, how can you still believe in healing? When he said, he said, everybody this side of the Mississippi River, every man of God, every prophet, every apostle has prayed for him and prayed for my healing. And he's still, he's been near death many of times. And he said, how can he still believe in, in, in healing? He said, because I'm still standing. Because I'm still enduring. So I'm going to still continue to believe for my healing. And we see that. We see that. He, he's, a, he's a real life illustration right here, right down the road. A young man my age that has, has been through tremendous suffering, but has done tremendous works for the kingdom of God. See, the devil don't like that dude because he's plundered hell. He's, he's continued to, to move forward and just has a, a greater resolve in his life. He's ended up getting remarried, like I said, and he's still, he's still plugging along. And, and it's, it's an awesome thing. We got to realize that. We got to realize that, you know, for, for, for us... You know, the anointing comes with a price. Pastor Titus said that many times. Isn't that right, Pastor? The anointing comes with a price. To desire to move God's kingdom forward and to see the glory of God come, it's not always easy. And that's how we see the early church got birthed, and that's how we're here today because of the persecution. In the midst of that, in the greatest times of persecution at the same time has been the greatest times of revival. Have you noticed that? From the Bible or just church history, you'll see that happening. And even today in China, in Iraq, and, and all through these countries, you see the gospel really just, just continuing to move forward. So that's number two. Number two, suffering can bring glory to God and can help spread the gospel. Number three, and, and these are all important, but number three is very important. Suffering can draw us closer than we've ever been to God. Suffering, and I, I put can can draw us closer than we've ever been to God. Because I've said it many times, when people go through tragedy and hard times and suffering, they do one or two things. They get closer to the Lord or they move further away from Him. So in suffering, this can draw us closer than we've ever been in our walk. You think about Job. Most of you are familiar with the story of Job. If you're not, you know, Job loses everything he has in a day, in one day. All of his livelihood, all of his wealth. He was a very wealthy man, the Bible says. He loses all of his children. I think there was 10 or 12 of them. He loses them all. One day, at one meeting, one, they were all eating, eating lunch, having a feast together. And, and the house falls in on him. Loses all of his children in, in one swoop of a storm. And on top of all of that, he breaks out and starts suffering in his body. Boils and agonizing pain all through his body. 
He begins to question God, why is this happening? He has these friends that are trying to console him. At the end of the book, we find out God said they don't know what they're talking about, basically. He, 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 he asks God all these questions. And God never gives him a direct answer. Matter of fact, after Job asked God the questions, he didn't give him any answer, but he gave him a few chapters of questions of himself. God began to question Job. Do you know where I store up the lightning? Do you know whether, how the snowflakes come down, how the rain comes down? Through all of this, God never told Job why this was happening to him. But this is how the book ends. In Job 42.5, Job saying this, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. You know what Job was saying? Lord, I still don't have the questions, but I've got to know you like I've never known you before. I've only known. The Bible says in the beginning he used to get up and offer sacrifices for his family, and he was going through. He was a godly man. Matter of fact, this whole thing started because God said he was the most blameless man on the face of the earth. But Job's perspective was that, you know, I thought I knew you, but Lord, now I really know you. I've only heard about you. I thought I knew the God I was serving, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. I've gotten a relationship and closeness to you like never before. You know, I, I've experienced this. And once again, some of y'all have probably heard me talk about this, um, about my brother. When my brother died about four and a half years ago now, uh, you know, I can testify that this is what happened to me during that time, during that tragedy. It was a very hard time. My brother was only 33 years old when he died, was married, had a little girl, you know, and it was, it was tough. It was, it, was very, it was tough on me. It was tough on my mom, our family, uh, you know, but, but the one thing that it did is that it, it drove me closer to the Lord. It drove me closer. I got closer to God at that point that I had never been before. I'd come to the office. I'd go do a few things in the office, and I'd spend pretty much the rest of my day or hours on hours just going to the prayer room, just crying to the Lord, literally crying, crying out to God, and, and just really through that time is where I got close to him like never before. Like never before. That's the thing about tragedy. That's the thing about suffering. We can get mad and question God. Or we can, you know what, just continue. And you know, I understand it's our, we have emotions, human nature to question and ask questions why and whatnot. But not to the point where it drives us away from our faith. Remember, it goes back to point one. Not to where it, it derails us from our faith. Or our relationship. You know, Maria said it. I don't know if she knew. I definitely didn't tell her to sing that song. But she starts ministering and singing that song. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Like she was saying, having to endure and knowing that he's still a good God. That he's a great God. You know, and y'all hear me out on this. In that same section of his book, Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. Great book, by the way. Uh, I would highly recommend you read that book. He talks about how... When we leave, leave for trips usually, and I know this especially as a youth pastor, I've taken many trips, youth, youth trips the seven and a half years that I, I was the youth pastor. And, and you know, um, we always pray when we go on vacation and stuff, we always pray, God, we pray a wall of protection, pray that you keep us safe, pray that everybody comes back safely. And, and he makes it clear, and I want to make it clear, there's nothing wrong with praying that prayer. I pray that prayer regularly over my wife and my children and whatnot. So he makes it clear, there's nothing wrong with praying with that, but, but he wonders If we've made safety our highest priority in life, is safety, is that the main thing, us being safe, comfortable, and in a well-being? And then he challenges us with a very challenging statement. He says this. Francis Chan said, would you be willing to pray a prayer something like this? God, bring us closer to you on this trip, whatever it takes. Now, look, I'll be honest. I'm not saying I'm brave enough to pray that prayer yet. But you know what he's saying. You know what he's saying is that, you know, we desire to be close to God, 
But is it at any cost? I'll be honest. Like I said, I've, I've, I don't know if I'm brave enough to pray that prayer, but I will say this. Months, and I want to say it was months. It might have been six, I don't remember, six, eight months before my brother died. I had been praying that God would break me. I had been praying. I just felt like I was, a, I was a pastor. I'm in ministry. I'm going through. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm doing all these things. But I just felt like we talk about it during prayer and fasting all the time. I felt like, you know what, I just I needed to be broken. There was something. I needed to be closer to God. I wanted to be closer to God. I, I wanted something to happen or to happen in me. I just wanted God to supernaturally do something in me to break me because I knew in that brokenness I would draw closer to God. Now, let me make it clear. I'm not saying that, that God caused Brian to die for me to be broken. But I tell you what, he did use it. I could have questioned God. I could have got angry at God. Instead, I submitted to the process and I rejoiced in what it produced in me. You know, as I was studying this, I took a break and I was walking down the hall and I really felt like the Lord dropped this in my spirit. And it's that we can't draw closer to God on our own condition. We can't draw closer to God on our own condition. It goes back to the difference between the words commitment and surrender. You can be committed. I'm a commit to draw closer to God. Well, that's great. But, you know, when you commit to something, it's on your own terms. You can commit to pray and fast for 40 days. At the end of 40 days, you're done. I'm done. I'm cool. I'm, I want to eat. But when you surrender, it's not on your terms. God, I surrender. Look, I had no idea that I would lose my only brother through a process to get broken. But you know what? In that, I'm thankful that I drew closer to God, that my relationship got closer, and that I knew God like never before. You know, and it goes back to the... the the perspective of it, the perspective of it, because I wasn't sure. I wasn't at the very beginning. I wasn't sure how I was going to handle it and how the whole thing was going to unfold. But I'm thankful that it did the way that it did. All right. And number four, we will be rewarded for our suffering. Come on. You should be able to say amen there. Amen. Come on. Pastor Ty received that one. We'll be, we'll be rewarded <laughs> for our suffering. How do I know this? Because that's what the Bible says. 1 Peter 3.14. Are y'all following me, y'all? This is not my opinion. This is what the Word of God says. But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. 1 Peter 3.17. Peter says, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than for suffering for doing wrong. You know, suffering was a theme with Peter, too. Through 1 Peter he, he used the word suffering in five short chapters at least 16 times. We see that all the, the early apostles were familiar with suffering. He says it's better to suffer for doing good because we'll be rewarded. You know, and I, let me just, I have to stop and say this. You know, I believe some of us have, have suffering and have suffered because of wrong choices we've made. It's not because we've been persecuted by the enemy or by people. or It's not because, it's just because we've made bad decisions and we're suffering for it. Now, we can write those decisions, and God has the grace to get us out of that and turn us around. Amen? I know I have. I suffered for a while with wrong choices, wrong relationships before I got saved, and it, it, it wasn't easy. But I believe that we'll be rewarded in this life, like Job. At the end of Job, a few verses later, after he says that now I, I've seen you with my own eyes, the Bible says that God blessed Job with more wealth and even more children than he had before. He endured because he lost everything except for his wife. Remember, Job lost everything he had except for his wife. And his wife standing there saying, hey, man, you need to curse God and die. That's what his wife tells him. 
I wonder if Job thought like, man, I wish you would have just died with him, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, you know, like the only person that's closest to me left in my life is telling me to curse God. But he didn't. He stayed faithful. He stayed faithful and God rewarded him with more wealth, more blessings, more children. And, and the Bible says, says his daughters were the most beautiful daughters in all the land. And it says it in the book of Job. He lived a long and satisfying, fulfilled life. He was rewarded here on this earth. And I believe that God will do the same for us. I believe when we make it through that. And listen, I'm not talking about monetary rewards and stuff like that. I'm talking about it's a reward to draw closer to the Lord. That's a blessing. That's a, that's a great thing to, to be where you feel like you're at a stagnant place in your walk and you desire to enter into his presence and to get, get, get a, a word from God and just to know God loves you no matter what, just to know God is good. You know, I think the church would do well if, if most people would just stay with that God is good and not waver between that. I just want to say that that's just a little side note. That we don't have to worry about or just continue to question during times. Oh, is God good? You said you was good. You didn't seem like you. Well, this, this doesn't seem good. Yes, he is good. He loves us. So I believe it's here on earth. But then also, ultimately, the reward for enduring suffering here on earth is eternal life. We're going to get eternal life. I mean, obviously, we don't have to earn that. It's not a reward we have to earn. Jesus died for us. But I think in that. You know, we'll suffer things that what we receive in heaven is going to be way greater. Look at Hebrews eleven twenty four and 26. It says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share in the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. What was that great reward? Amen. It was eternity. He knew that he never even, Jesus wasn't even born anywhere near where he was, but he knew that by faith that he was looking forward to a great reward. So in closing, let me say this. I'm not saying that suffering has to be your lot in life. And also, I'm not saying that, uh, I, you know, I, I talked to someone that's very close to me that said that, that they had been suffering with some health issues uh, in their body and that it, you know, for a long time she thought that her suffering was due, it was a punishment for wrong she had done. Maybe some of y'all in here today have been thinking that way. That, well, I, I guess I'm just suffering because God is punishing me for the wrong I've done. No, listen, Jesus was punished once and for all for our sins. Okay, so the Bible makes it clear we will suffer and we need to endure suffering. But don't ever think, it goes back to the thing of God being good, that God is punishing you and that's why you're suffering. That's not the case. He does allow things, but he's not punishing us. Those of us that are parents in here, we have to discipline our children. Would you ever want to starve your children or wish that they get sick if they disobey you? Not at all. Not at all. And if we, as Jesus said, being wicked as we are, wouldn't treat our children like that, God doesn't treat us like that. So I just want to put it uh, at the end of this message, I want to say that. That it's not, has, it doesn't have to be your lot in life. And I'm not hoping that, that suffering, you know, continues throughout your life. But knowing that's part of life and it will happen. And also, I want to encourage you in closing that the Lord promised that he would help us and be with us while we are suffering. Let me read you a couple of scriptures real quick, a few scriptures, and then we'll close it out. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I love this scripture. It's in your notes, a you version to drop it down. 2 Corinthians 3 through 5. I love it. It talks about God being our merciful Father and how he comforts us. And at the end of that, it says, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with this comfort through Christ. So he assures us that, listen... Even though we suffer, 
We're going to be comforted during that time and through that time. He's, not going to, he's our merciful father. He's a good father. I'm telling you, I use this scripture so many times when I'm counseling people and praying with people. 1 Peter 5.10, it says, in his kindness, once again, you know, we're seeing it. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. Amen. Come on, that's a good place to say amen right there. After we suffered, he was going to restore. He will support us and strengthen us. Lay us on a firm foundation. Help us to stand. Think about Corinthians 12.9. Paul says that he was tormented by a thorn in his flesh. A messenger of Satan tormented him. And he begged God three times to take it from him. Just like Job. God didn't even, didn't even answer him about that. If he would or wouldn't or how long he'd be. All he said was that my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. My grace he says, is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. Y'all, that's, let me tell you something. That's the true definition of grace right there. You know, there's, there's been things that have come out now about grace that we don't have to worry about repenting of sin or from sin because, you know, it's all covered under grace and he died on the cross. You know, it, it, grace is not greasy grace to give you, uh, you know, permission to do what you want to do. Grace is for times when you're suffering. He says, Paul was suffering, your grace My grace, he said, is all that you need. That's all you need to get through this, and I will give you my grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Don't we need grace the most when we're suffering? When we don't know why it's here or when it's going to go, how long it's going to last? He says that it's available if we boldly approach the throne of grace. And this is it. This is the last scripture. Romans 8, 17 and 18. It says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are here to share in his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet, everybody say yet. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. You know what he's saying? You know what I truly believe? Or this is what I believe. Let me not... not, not you know, put words in his mouth. But this is what I believe. I believe when he says the suffering now is nothing compared to what we, what the glory is going to be revealed. I believe when we get to heaven, y'all, we won't even remember the suffering we went through. I, we're going to be in such glory and awe of the majestic king and the presence of God. We won't even, it's not going to be like, hey, man, you remember that time, that trial that we had to walk through together? Whoo, man, I'm so glad we, I think that's going to be wiped away from our memory. It can't even compare, saints. And that's why, going back to that song, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all when we get there, when we get in glory with Jesus. Amen? Everybody stand up with me. Now, as I talk about entering into his glory, like I said, I want to be clear. Uh, We don't have to suffer our way to heaven. Jesus paid it once and for all. We just took part in communion today. And Jesus... He paid the punishment and the price. He made the way to heaven through the cross over 2,000 years ago, once and for all. I'm not saying that you have to suffer. I know that, that we've, we've grown up in, in some churches where, we, where we've been taught that, that you have to suffer your way to get good with God and get to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. The only way to assure that you're going to receive that glory is by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says from turning away from our, our sins, admitting that we're, we're a sinner, and accepting the free gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says that we are made right with God by putting our faith in Christ. And listen, I want to say this. You know, it's tough. It's tough to go through suffering even when you are a believer and a Christian and you have the grace of God in your life. But I think there's some in here today, possibly, that have been suffering and you've not in a relationship with Christ. You've been trying to do this thing on your own. You may have been suffering because of choices that you made, but guess what? You can make the best choice and decision today by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I want everybody bow with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you would say today, as you're hearing this, and, and you, you hear about the suffering and saying, hey, when we get to heaven, the glory that will be revealed, this suffering will be nothing. And you say, well, Brandon, but I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure that I'll be able to share in the glory of God. I'm not sure that I'll be able to, to, to be in heaven with Jesus. I don't know if I'm right with God, if I've ever put my faith in Jesus. If that's you tonight, I want you to slip up your hand this morning. I want to get right with God. I want my life to be cleansed, to be washed. I don't want to walk through this life anymore by myself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. My man right here, come on, I want you to bow your head with me. Let's pray. Let's pray with him. And if you believe this in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you believe the Lord is going to save you, my brother. Come on, let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. I thank you for suffering for me on the cross and cleansing me of my sins and granting me eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.